It's a beautiful song, really is. It's one of the most powerful, I think, songs that we sing, the one we just sang to think about how we love God and how we love one another. And that is really the crux of what we're going to be talking about in 2022. We're going to be thinking about love in a very practical, real way. Now, it's been a few weeks since we started the series, so you may not remember, but the gist of one another is first the idea of one. You know, God is one. The Shema, as is referred to of Deuteronomy 6, the Lord God is one. And that's, we're going to focus on the oneness of our Lord and the oneness of Him and how His unity of God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit work together. And how we love Him and how He has loved us. And the second aspect of this theme is the another part. How we love practically each other. How we do that. Can I ask you a question? I guess I can. You're not going to stop me. Some might try, I don't know. (laughs) Which one do you do better at? Personally, I've met all sorts of people in my walk with Christ and even before that, and I've met both types of people. Some who really naturally love God, they just, with everything that they have, uh, they, they pour themselves into worship, into studying His Word, into learning about Him. They want to be closer with Him. There are others who are fantastic at the people aspect, loving other people. I was thinking about this last night with Jonathan and his natural skill set, which he's developed greatly. His ability to love people is just remarkable. To, to, to learn from him, and it's not that he doesn't like, love God, I don't mean to imply that, I just he certainly does, but he's so skilled in reaching and maturing Christians, but he's also skilled at loving and befriending people who don't have faith at all. For me personally, I find that part challenging. Your preacher, if you didn't know, is a task-oriented guy. So I have to work at the people part of ministry. Ministry helps me do that, but I still think of it like a task, On my to-do list is go visit some people, go pray with some people, send a card and call. So I'm not sure what you are, which one is easier for you. You may ask, well, are the two mutually exclusive? Can't you do both? I I certainly, that's our call. But but my, my thought is that I think sometimes we naturally are wired toward maybe one or the other, and God grows us in, in the area where we're weak, if that makes sense. So this is what we're talking about, loving God and loving one another. And both of those, by the way, both of those will lead us to our need for Christ. Because no one does it perfectly. I don't know, care how much you love God and pursue God and want to know God, you will fall short. 
And I don't care how good you are at people skills and how good you are at loving people. No one does it perfectly. You'll fall short. You'll, you'll rub somebody the wrong way. You'll offend somebody without intending to. That's just how we are. So in, in our imperfect ability to love God, in our imperfect ability to love one another, both lead us to the cross, to Jesus Christ, who loved God perfectly with his heart, soul, mind, and strength, and who loved people around him perfectly. So both, both of these aspects will lead us to Christ. And so as we focus this morning on introducing the second part of loving each other, I want you to turn to Mark chapter 12. Mark chapter 12. And as you turn there, I want to tell you a story. And the story is to help explain why I think love is difficult. You're turning to Mark chapter 12, and as you're turning there, I want to tell you about something that my daughter and I did just over a week ago. We went climbing. Uh, We had a Saturday with no commitments. Tyler was working, and so Grace had been asking about wanting to go climbing. Um, As you may have guessed in, in judging my body type, I am not as what you would call a climber. But, uh, I thought, well, you know, this will be something new, a new experience, something fun to do together, father-daughter time, and all of that. So we went to this place called Bliss Climbing, which is an indoor climbing gym on the northeast side of town. Now, climbing, if you've never been, is something that's very interesting because it it is one event where you have two simultaneous experiences that seem to be directly opposed. Climbing is scary, but it's also safe. On on our way there, when we were going to the climbing gym, you have to fill out these online waivers. There is pages and pages, initial after initial, signature after signature, which a team of lawyers has no doubt crafted, to basically say in, in all sorts of legalese, you understand there's risk here. You could get hurt, you could be seriously injured, you could die. And if you have a minor, that the same as all of those things are true for your child. You sign those documents saying that. So it's scary, right? But you get there, and they put you through an orientation, they show you how to do it, they give you a harness that is rated where it could hoist a truck. This harness that you put on, it's safe. It can hold thousands of pounds. And you put it in, One leg here, one leg here, the waist. But as you put it in, if you don't strap it in correctly, you could fall out. In theory, you could. In fact, they have the word danger on the buckles to show you that if you you haven't if you haven't secured it properly and you see the word, you know you haven't done it right. So in right there in the harness, you can see it's 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 safe, you're secure, but it's also scary. There's also risk. When you, when you clip into the carabiners and you've got these ropes, there's a process for doing that. You want to do it in the right way. If you don't clip your carabiner in the right direction, you don't make sure it locks securely, what's very safe could all of a sudden become very risky. 
Well, they put us to the orientation class, and we went on our way. And just so we have proof for on the record, <laughs> we did it. Um, if you can't see that, there is Grace way up there at the tippy top. Okay. That's my daughter, 30 feet in the air. This is the epitome of great parenting, isn't it? <laughs> in that moment, as I took that picture, this thought occurred to me. She's absolutely safe. But she's also in great danger. Now, just so you don't think that my 11-year-old would show me up, there's me. Uh, right up there, I'm the little larger blue dot. <laughs> now, at the same time, I'm safe, but I too am in great danger. In, in fact, if you know, understand physics and inertia and terminal velocity and all that, I'm in much greater danger from that height. It's risky, but it's also rewarding. It's safe, but it's also scary. What we're talking about today, what we're going to be really talking about all year, is the juxtaposition of these two ideas. That climbing is a lot like love. It is absolutely safe, but it's a little bit scary. It sure is rewarding, but if you ever, ever loved, you know there's great risk to it. By now, you should be in Mark chapter 12. Mark chapter 12 is where we were the last time we discussed the subject. We are in the middle of Jesus answering a question. We, we said the last time, you know, one of the scribes came up. Uh, they asked Jesus a, a religious question. Which command is the most important? Of all the 600 plus commands, which one is the most important? And he answered them. From Deuteronomy 6, Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And verse 31, the second is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. The greatest command, of course, is to love God. We think about this in, in everything that we do, if you love the Lord, it drives him to, to obey his commands, not because out of obligation, not out of legal duty, but because you love him. When you love him, you know he loves you and he wants what's best for you. So you, you vertically love. And, and it's still my personal, maybe I'm just biased because I think I personally do this better. I think this is easier. Because when you consider how much God has done for us, I don't think it's hard to love God in return. For some people, that's hard. But then there's the second, this, this second part of it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There's no commandment greater than these. For just a minute, I want you to look to your left, to your, to your right, to your left. The second commandment is all about loving people next to you. And that's, that's not always easy. I see husbands looking at wives and wives looking at husbands. You know. <laughs> you love each other, but sometimes that's hard, isn't it? 
Loving our neighbor, the second great command as yourself, is what we call the horizontal command. We go from this to this. The question has asked, we'll delve into it in greater detail, but the natural question I ask in verse 31 is, who, who is your neighbor? Who qualifies as your neighbor? Who is that person? Uh, in fact, a lawyer asked this of Jesus in Luke chapter 10. Uh, Luke chapter 10 is the story we know famously is the parable of the Good Samaritan. That whole story in Luke chapter 10, verses 25 through 37 Jesus is telling that story to make a point. And the, the point is, <laughs> the answer to the question given by the lawyer in verse 29. Desiring to justify himself, he said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? You can sense the trap being laid out. Well, that sounds good, Jesus, but who is that? How do we, as a lawyer would do, how do we define what a neighbor is? And this is a whole other sermon. So we just skip to the, to the point of it. The conventional wisdom at the time was your neighbor was someone who was in your group. Who, who looked like you, who thought like you, who reasoned like you, who was from the tribe, who could certainly trace their ancestry all the way back to Abraham. There was ways of defining who your neighbor was. You drew a box. Anybody outside that box was not your neighbor. You didn't have to love them. Jesus did something profound in that parable. He, he flattened every wall of the box... He said, your neighbor is any person who's near you. That every person is made in the image of God and every person that you interact with is an opportunity to show the love of God. Which sounds good, but when you let that affect your thinking, it changes everything. What if your coworker that just came to work and started working, what, what, if, what if God put them there in your, next to your cubicle for a reason? What, what if your waitress that, that serves you today at lunch, this just lost her mother, is going to be serving your table today for a reason? What if you're living in the neighborhood you are, whether your neighbors are 10 inches away or 10 miles down the road? What if you're there for a reason? It begins to impact our mission. We see everywhere we are as an opportunity to love and to show love to others. Continue in Mark 12. The scribe said to him, you are right. You have truly said that he is one. There is no other besides him. And to love him with all the heart, with all the understanding, with all the strength, and to love one's neighbor as oneself is much more than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. He got it. 
He understood the assignment. With great clarity, he knew. These are the two that matter the most. And he says, to love one's neighbor as oneself is much more than all the burnt offerings and sacrifices. There's a whole study right there. Oh, they had tons of sacrifices and offerings. There was a lot of blood spilt at the temple. And he said, to love your neighbor is much more than all of that. The Apostle John wrote a great deal about the subject. We will not touch the hem of the garment. But if you care to follow along, 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4. We're going to jump in in verse 10. There's much more to say and much more to be read. But in this is love. In this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us. And sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved. If God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. By this we know, I'm sorry, verse 12, no one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. Now we move to verse 20 of the same chapter. If anyone says, I love God, and hates his brother, he's a liar. For he who does not love his brother, whom he he has seen, cannot love God, whom he has not seen. John makes it very, very clear. The first command and the second command are tied together at the cross. And they are so, so similar and so deeply connected, and yet they are also, at the same time, very, very different. Here's one way to think about it. Let's go to, back to the climbing gym. Here's a picture that I took while I'm, after I've come back down and I'm lying down recovering. In this picture, I wanted, the reason why I've showed this picture is because if you don't Notice, there are two ropes there. The first is this one on the left. Okay, you'll see it's yellow. It's the, it says perfect descent. And that's because way at the tippy top is something called an auto belay. It's essentially a machine rated to pull you up at the proper rate and to let you down in a way where you won't die. For beginning climbers... You start on the auto belay. It's a lot like the first command. You're totally secure. He's going to pull you up at the proper way, at the proper time. And he's not going to let you fall. There's a moment when you get to the top, when you have to kick off. And you have to fully trust that machine to work. It's hard. And if you've ever been there in your walk with God, you know sometimes you have to trust him and it can be so hard. But then you, you fall and you just it does its job. Now the second rope is the one that we didn't do. 
It's the one here on the right. These are kind of red-colored ropes. You see they're kind of knotted up at the end. And that's for more advanced climbers. That was not for Grace and I. Because to do those, you have to have two people involved. And there's a lot more training because there's a lot more risk. Because your rope is in someone else's hands. And if they're not paying attention, you could fall and you could die. If they're not paying attention, they, the, the rope could come quickly and they could get a severe burn or, or completely mangle their hand. They're not paying attention. These two ropes are where people learn to climb. This one is more secure, this one is more risky, but the second one, this is where you start, but the second rope is where you grow as a climber. It's the same for us. Love is a lot like climbing. It's both secure and scary, both risky and rewarding. And you can start with the first command, and that's where we most of us do, but growing in the second command is where we grow and mature and learn to love as God loved us. Love is both secure and scary. It is both risky and rewarding. Why why love? Because you'll never ascend until you climb. And God wants us to learn to climb. To climb and grow in his love and to, grow, and to climb and grow in our love for one another. And let's finish by looking at verse 34 of Mark chapter 12. And when Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. And after that, no one dared to ask him any more questions. If you're a Christian, you're a kingdom person. You're called to love God. You're called to love others too. Loving God, not always hard because he's loved us so well and continues to do so. Loving others, a bit more challenging. Love is... I wrote love as a kingdom value, but I really think love is the kingdom value. Jesus said in John 13, 34, he said, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another. Now hold on, if you're paying attention, that wasn't a new command. That command had already been given them. So what was new about this command? What did he say? Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. That's the new. That we love just as Jesus loved them. And how did Jesus love them? Well, I suppose a lot of more sermon could be given to that, but I'll just boil it down to two things. He loved them personally. He loved them sacrificially. He loved them personally, loved them sacrificially. Well, after Jesus' answer, no one dared to ask him any more questions, so I'm not going to give you any more sermon. Let's finish by thinking about this. Love is action. We're going to talk about this tonight looking at 1 Corinthians 13. It's not about telling someone you love them. That's nice to hear. 
But love really comes down to the action, to how we put it into practice. So if you want to join us for that study, I would encourage you to do so for Sunday night study tonight. But for the rest of it, it's application time. When Jesus told the parable of the Good Samaritan, how did he finish that? Go and do likewise. Go and do. So that's my challenge to you today, the rest of the days of your life, to go and do likewise. May we love God. May we love one another. And may both of those loves cause us to pull back and draw near to Christ. This morning, I want to ask you, do you love God? Well, how do you know that? Because you say you do, because you, because you think you do, or because you've done what Jesus said to do, if you love me, you obey my commands. If you haven't made the first step into Christianity by putting him on in baptism, I would like to invite you to do that this morning. That's the beginning of a wonderful journey. You can clip in, if you will, <laughs> to a wonderful journey with Christ. And if you've clipped in, but maybe you've fallen, maybe you've been hurt by the church, Maybe you've been wounded. Uh, you need to know that Northside is a loving congregation. And we have shepherds who love you and care for you. And they will be at the back and they'll be there to pray with you and help you and serve you in any need you might have. If you have a public need, as we sing this next song, you can go to the back and meet with our shepherds. And they will make sure that they help you in the best way they know how. Let's uh, stand and sing at this time.